is sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Georgia is a state that values life. We protect the innocent. We champion the vulnerable. We stand up and speak for those unable to speak for themselves. Through the Life Act, we will allow precious babies to grow up and realize their full God-given potential. Instead of trying to engage on a level playing field and, I don't know, actually doing some work, you merely silence the dissent. This is classic authoritarianism. This is the rhetoric of authoritarian tyrants. Yet we're the dangerous ones. Really? I don't know of any president in our lifetime who's carried as many negative burdens from the political class as uh, President Trump has. I think as we get beyond that, uh, as he continues to do a good job, his numbers are going to keep going up. Uh, and as people realize, you know, you may or may not like his style, but you sure have to like his results. And now, Stacey Washington. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I do like his style. Um, I like the results, too. And I'm fine with everything that comes along with the package. I'm fine with it. If you've grown up at all and you understand, um, you know that people are people. And you got to take the good with the bad and pray for them and keep on rolling. So welcome to the program. We have so much to get to today. We have this story about the program that um, actual immigrants will be able to be arrested by local law enforcement. And that's a new program that's been announced by ICE. Uh, so that's good news. Anything that helps us get to where we need to get to with you know, apprehending unlawful uh, people who are unlawfully present. We got to get to that. We got to do it. Um, so first off, let's let's get to that story. We are also going to be chatting with Deontay Johnson, president of the Black Conservative Federation this hour. Uh, Deontay is a friend of mine and he's he's got so much going on and he's really doing a lot of organizing. He's a millennial, younger guy. Um, he's doing a lot to make sure that what we have going on here in this country is... Um, representative to organize young people who are leaning towards being conservatives to give them that option of knowing that, you know, you can be black and be a conservative. You can be Hispanic and be a conservative. You, it's th- This is not the party of old white men by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's good work and I'm so glad to see him doing it. And so he'll be with us. And, um, and then we will finally get to the Bidens and their Ukraine problem. That'll be in the last segment. So right now, Uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement has announced just on Monday, actually, that they have a new program that will allow local law enforcement officers to start arresting and temporarily detaining immigrants on behalf of the agency, even if established local policies prevent them from doing so. So this is them coming around to the realization that the federal government can circumvent the sanctuary city status designation. Not only can the federal government circumvent it, They must. They must in the interest of public health and safety. So local jurisdictions that join the program will be temporarily exempted from any local or state rules preventing them from cooperating in immigration arrest or detention and allow them to execute arrest warrants issued by ICE. ICE will have 48 hours to transfer any immigrant arrested and detained under the program into its custody or the immigrant will be released. 
Policies that limit cooperation with ICE undermine public safety, prevent the agency from executing its federally mandated mission, and increase the risk for officers forced to make at-large arrests in unsecure locations. This is a statement from Director Matthew Albans. He's the acting ICE director. The Warrant Service Officer Program will protect communities from criminal aliens who threaten vulnerable populations with violence, drugs, and gang activity by allowing partner jurisdictions the flexibility to take immigration arrests in their jail or correctional facility. The agency said the new program was made at the request of the National Sheriff's Association and the Major County Sheriffs of America. So law enforcement officials want this help. They want the federal government to give them the tools they need to do their jobs. And they're responding. Now, the ACLU, um, you know, what What do you think I'm going to say here? You know what I'm going to say. They're against it. They've condemned it. They call it the latest scheme by ICE to enlist the local police in their abusive deportation agenda. Now, I don't see anything abusive about deportation. Do you? You're here illegally. You're breaking the law. You are under threat of deportation. You are deported. There's nothing abusive about that. Um, that's the following of the law. So the agency explicitly aims to subvert the will of local communities that have passed ordinances to prevent exactly this kind of cooperation between police and ICE. Now, that's ACLU's deputy political director, Lorella Pirelli. Probably not an American. Okay, I'm sorry. She may be an American. Participants would be forced to carry the financial burden of ICE's aggression, potentially costing the state millions in operational expenses and legal fees. And they're not, they're not worried about the money. That's not it at all. She says here that local communities have passed ordinances to prevent exactly this kind of cooperation. Well, what kind of communities would pass sanctuary city ordinances? Those that want to house illegal aliens. So she's admitting that people who want to help other people break the law have passed ordinances to facilitate that and that this subverts their will. Yes, we should be subverting the will of lawbreakers. That is what the law enforcement community exists to do. They exist to investigate and bring criminals to justice. I mean, I, how is this woman an attorney and political director for ACLU and she doesn't know that? She's urging people to, quote unquote, resist anyway. President Trump announced on Sunday he would nominate Forder, f- former former Border Patrol Chief Mark Morgan, who led the division during the final months of the Obama administration to be the new head of immigration and customs enforcement. Former acting ICE director Ronald Vitello resigned last month after he, the president said he wanted to take the agency in a tougher direction, which was the honorable thing for him to do. I support that kind of action. If your boss is taking the whatever in a direction that you're not interested in going in, kindly move yourself along. There's better opportunities out there for you that better suit your skill set and your temperament and let someone else who's ready to pony up and saddle that thing and, and you know, herd it into to the area it needs to go into, let them do that. There's somebody out there who's willing to crack the whip and get it done. If it's not you, God bless, off you go. So that, uh, this is just nothing but a good news piece, honestly. It's not even Friday, but that's all good news. Um, so now I thought... And y'all know how wishy-washy and sometimey I am with Mitch McConnell. He is somebody who has done some good things recently, but he's also done some bad things. He's come out against the president on immigration, and I just hate that. I hate it. But when he does something good, I like to give him kudos because 
I want to help him. I want Mitch McConnell to be the best that he can be. Um, and I think he has some, some ways to go to get there. That being said, this morning he took to the Senate floor and he got his little blowtorch out and he lit it up and then he aimed it at the Democrats and he put some accelerant in front of it and lit them on fire. And it was kind of delicious because, you know, he never talks fast. He's from Kentucky, right? So he never talks super fast. But when he's making a rude point, if you watch him on the Senate floor, he gets to smiling about what he's saying because he's, he knows he's, he's lighting you up <laughs> and he's enjoying himself. And so you have to kind of, I enjoy it. I enjoy when he gets to enjoying himself lighting up the Democrats. It doesn't happen often enough, in my opinion. But here is one of those cases, and I don't even know if I got the very best part, but you're going to have to listen to this whole thing. He, he really takes his time to singe the edges first and then light up the middle. It's number five. For many of the president's opponents, it quickly morphed into something else. A last hope that maybe they'd never have to come to terms with the American people's choice of a president. In some corners, special counsel Mueller came to be regarded as a kind of secular saint destined to rescue the country from the inconvenient truth that the American people actually elected Donald Trump. For two years, many of the president's opponents seemed to be hoping the worst conspiracy theories were actually true. They seemed to be hoping for a national crisis for the sake of their own politics. Now look, I, I will say it was at least heartening, heartening to see many of my Democratic colleagues and the media abruptly awaken to the dangers of Russian aggression, an awakening to the dangers of Russian aggression. Remember, not long ago, Democrats mocked, mocked Republicans like John McCain and Mitt Romney for warning about the dangers posed by Putin's Russia. Remember President Obama's quip back in 2012 when then-Governor Romney embarrassed, emphasized his concerns with Russia. Here's what President Obama said when Mitt Romney emphasized his concerns with Russia back in 2012. Direct quote. The 1980s are now calling to ask for their foreign policy back. <laughs> so <laughs> he took his time to lay out all of the different instances in which the Democrats are flip-flopping around like fish on dry land in order to, shall we say, accommodate um, their sudden revulsion of everything having to do with Russia. When Kislyak, a diplomat from Russia, used to be one of their favorite guests at all of their events, he, they would invite him to the State of the Union. He always sat with the Democrats. They invited him to all of their cocktail parties. He was a, he was a favorite on the Democrat cocktail party circuit. The ambassador from Russia, it was Kislyak, and he was their guy. I mean, he spent so much time with them that Remember, you, you must remember the, the famous non-quote hot mic caught Barack Obama telling, uh, I guess he's the equivalent of the vice president of, of Russia. He's, you know, number two to Putin. He said, um, after my election, I'll have more flexibility. And the guy said, I will transmit this to Vladimir. 
And nobody batted an eye. Nora O'Donnell didn't call for Barack Obama to be removed from office. Uh, you know, Anderson Cooper didn't find himself about ready to faint, uh, you know, with a little bit of perspiration on his upper lip from the utter shock of it all. Uh, Brian Stelter hadn't whined about it at all. I don't even think he knew it happened. If he did, he just brushed it right on off and went back to looking at Republican wrongdoing. So, the, you know, they they haven't always hated Russia. That's that's the truth right there. And and it's fine. You know, love them or leave them. You, you do you. Nobody is trying to make Democrats have feelings they don't have or thoughts they, they shouldn't have. It's just. To be honest, I feel the same as Mitch McConnell. I'm just tired of listening to them whine about 2016. You know, I mean, you would think that the Democrats would actually be sick of hearing us whine about 2018 when they took the House. But you don't see the Republicans whining about losing the House. I mean, it was definitely not a good it wasn't a good day. It wasn't a good look, but they're not whining about it. Uh, And and but the Democrats are still whining about 2016, still trying to find a way to erase it. And it's just not going it's not going away. It's just like when I say YouTube is forever, so is 2016. It's just, it's what happened. The same thing we had to go through, only we did so quietly. Barack Obama was elected the president. We were all in a state of panic. And then we got on with our lives. That's what y'all need to do, Democrats. Get on with it. Stop this madness. But there's another reason that they want to undo the results of the 2016 election. And that is because they have been caught spying on an American citizen They've been caught using uh, operation or opposition research documents like the dossier to justify FISA warrant applications. Um, They have been caught literally text messaging each other about how they're going to undo the results of the 2016 election. And so if they can't impeach President Trump, they have to admit that, number one, they were in the wrong and he wasn't. And number two, he's probably going to get reelected, which will be like a nightmare. If you think that... um, androgynous individual sitting on the ground screaming and wailing, which is one of the favorite memes on the right. You, you can find it everywhere at any point in the day in a 24 hour cycle. You can find it on somebody on Twitter using that, that gif of that person on the ground screaming to the sky about Donald Trump being the president. They can, you can find it anywhere because it's so universally represents what the Democrats are feeling right now, which is they're screaming at the, the sun because they just can't stop what happened in 2016. Still, We'll see that again in 2020 if they don't figure something out. And I hope they don't, but I'm just saying. All right, when we get back, we'll have Deontay Johnson. Stay right there. Here's American Family Association President Tim Wildman. Lynn Ingram and Jim Duncan, two Texans, support and believe in our ministry here at AFA and AFR. We know more about the laundry business than anything else. We know a little bit about a lot of things, but we know a lot about the laundry and dry cleaning business. They created a laundry detergent to sell to folks to support AFA. We just want to be able to provide a product that can be used by AFA to support the ministry. When you wash your family's clothes with Redeem Clean Laundry Detergent, you can take great satisfaction in knowing that you're supporting the vital work of the American Family Association. It's a unique way to increase your giving to AFA. For clean laundry and support of a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Learn more about the Redeem Clean products when you visit redeemclean.afastore.net. 
This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. The Supreme Court justices may be forgiven for having a feeling of deja vu. For the third time, the justices had to deal with a case in which the president was given power by Congress and then challenged because he used that power. First, it was the travel ban. Then it was the president's national emergency declaration in order to build the wall. Finally, it were the oral arguments about whether a citizenship question should be put in the 2020 census. All three of these cases have a number of things in common. The Constitution grants certain powers to Congress. Congress delegates those powers to the president. Then President Trump uses those powers in a way that Democrats don't like and a federal court case ensues. You probably have already thought of a solution to this ongoing problem. Congress should stop delegating their power to the president. I'll deal with that topic in my next commentary, but you might wonder why Congress keeps doing this. Here's a secret that few political commentators mention. When the leader of your party is in power, you don't have a problem when he uses that power. But as soon as someone of the other party, especially if it's Donald Trump, gets into power, you go crazy. This case before the Supreme Court should be fairly simple. Congress delegated to the Secretary of Commerce the power to determine the form and content of the census. You may not like what he decided, but that's what the law stipulated decades ago. David French, in a recent commentary, says here is where we see the biggest contrast between progressive and conservative approaches to jurisprudence. The liberal progressive sees the problem and demands the court fix the problem. The conservative looks at the same pattern and says if you don't like the law, change it. Congress has had numerous opportunities to change the law and did not. Therefore, I predict that at least five conservative justices on the court will rule in favor of the Trump administration. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Socialism, go to viewpoints.info slash socialism. That's viewpoints.info slash socialism. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. All right, welcome back to the show. While we are still working on our guest, let us listen to, uh, this is a bit of audio that I didn't get to last segment. It's House Judiciary Committee ranking member Doug Collins talking about the Democrats moving to hold Attorney General Barr in contempt of Congress. He says that the Democrats are trying to undo the results of the 2016 election. And while he's right, there's there's a little bit more to it. Um, and that is the temperament of the Democrats in leadership when they control the House in comparison to when the Republicans control the House. Interesting fact. Uh, the Republicans waited almost 450 days to hold then Attorney General Eric Holder in contempt of Congress for refusing to cooperate with subpoenas for information about, I believe it was Fast and Furious. Um, they actually just waited and waited and waited. Here we are 41 days since the original subpoenas were sent to bar and they're already moving to vote to hold him in contempt of Congress. 41, 441, something like that. It's like almost 450 days the Republicans waited. So just keep that in mind when people say, we're trying to rein in this and that. No, no, that's not what you're doing. We can see right through it. It's number six. 
-hmm. They're doing this 12 times faster than the Republicans held Eric Holder in contempt. Over 460-something days before the Republicans held Eric Holder in contempt for not complying with subpoenas. We're looking at less than 43 days here. My question is, is are you, are, do you dislike the president that much? Do you dislike the findings of the Mueller report that much that you're trying to solve every other way to get the American public focused on the fact that you don't have an agenda for America, that you don't have anything to put forward, and you would rather just attack this president, who is, by the way, look at the economy, look at the lowest unemployment in 50 years, look at all the things that are happening. They want to distract you from that to focus on something they know has already been settled in the report. So there, there's a kind of idiocy to the way that this is being handled. And, and the reason why it can't be handled well or it can't go well or it can't be something that, that just is smooth and executed well is because it all hinges on, you know, they had their bad candidate. They had two bad candidates because Bernie wasn't a good candidate. He wouldn't have been good for America. And a new, a new poll out actually illustrates why Bernie Sanders is a waste of airspace and time. And I don't mean his life. I mean him being in the political sphere as a democratic socialist. What am I talking about? Well, the poll said that 90% of Americans have just, they're, they're not in favor of socialism. Now, when you break the numbers out, it's more like 45% have no opinion of socialism at all. 42% have a negative view of it. And when you dig down further, it's mostly Democrats who are toying around with it and trying to make it work. But I, the, and I may have shared this on the show before, but one of the most illustrative things about the socialism that I've, I've ever heard, because my mom is a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat, um, and she loved Barack Obama, still does, and she voted for Hillary Clinton um, against Donald Trump. But when Bernie Sanders became a thing, and it was Hillary Clinton and then, you know, Bernie Sanders... I asked my mom, I said, is it, is it disturbing to you at all that the Democrats are running a, a socialist? Uh, he's in, in the primary. And she said, oh, he's not going to go anywhere. I said, he's, he's gaining traction with the young people. And she said, look, you know, Democrats aren't perfect. I don't vote for them because they're perfect. But I tell you what, we all know socialism is bad. She said, there's no way I'm ever voting for a socialist. Now, I'll admit, my mom's pretty smart. <laughs> so, you know, it, and she's older, obviously. She's my mom. But she articulated something that I heard a lot over the course of, like from, from anybody who was maybe 40 and older, people would say, oh, socialism. We all know that's horrible. We're not doing anything with that. But with the younger ones, they'd say, well, he's like my granddad or he's like my uncle or he's someone I, I feel like I could have a beer with. He understands my situation. I'm like, but he's a socialist. That's just democratic socialism, which isn't the same as actual socialism. That's what people would say to me. Like, so the point to that is that Americans on the whole, by and large, understand that capitalism is the, it's, it's integral to the system that makes it possible for us to live that we do the way that we do. And I just, I implore you, you know, when, when I say that, Sometimes after the show, I'll be thinking, you know, I said, you know, capitalism is integral to the way that we live. And it is. Um, it's not more important than our faith, but it, it, it is a system by which we are able to engage in a free market. And it enables that. Um, but then we have to remember that this stuff comes from God. And unfettered capitalism is not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about capitalism with no limits. I'm talking about capitalism 
that is restrained that and and it's only fit for a moral people a morally upright people where we would be philanthropic which Americans are we're the most philanthropic nation on the face of the planet but I just want to say right here on the air for the record we got to be thanking God that this is what we have if you look at what the Venezuelans are going through if you think about how hard it is to be hungry because we we Americans we don't really know that sensation when we say ah. You know, I'm peckish. We really are peckish. We're just slightly hungry. We ha- we are not hungry. We are not starving. So Venezuelans are. We have to thank God that we have this system. If you, I, I was just um, at the Sam's Club picking up some glasses for daughter the youngest. She had her new prescription. And when we were picking them up, they had some hydrangea bushes, some pretty big ones on sale for 20 bucks a pop at the Sam's Club. And so we have this one area where we'd ripped out this huge, you bush because it had beehives in it and um, nobody wanted to get near it to like trim it because they were afraid of the bees coming out so we had it taken out and so there's this big huge open area with nothing but mulch there and so I thought oh these these would look good there and as I was digging the hole and you know you start to get to sweating and thinking why did I why am I doing this to myself that mulch looked fine but then I got them in and my husband was like, oh, those look nice, you know, and he helped a little bit too. And then uh, the kids even mentioned, oh, that looks nice, mom. You know, that looks good. And I was like, yeah. And then I just thought about how much I love um, hydrangea bushes. I love, I love the way they look. I love the big, the, the head of the flower is so huge. Um, and I love to see them out in other places. Like when a business will use hydrangeas, a row of them, I just love going over and kind of taking a look and seeing what kind of hydrangea it is, if I can recognize it or what have you. And I just had to say, thank you, Lord, for, for these hydrangea bushes. Thank you for letting us be able to garden and to be able to do, you know, just thank you. We have to keep that attitude because as weird as it is to say, the truth is we don't, we, we don't have any guarantee we'll never be like the Venezuelans. We have enough people in America right now who don't understand the capitalist system, who have not had a good civics class, uh, who who they think democratic socialism is something that could work here, that they could theoretically flip this if we're not diligent and if we don't um, if we don't keep praying over our country. So, you know, that 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 is what it is. Um so I also, and we still, oh, okay, perfect. Awesome. Um, we have our guest. Deontay is the president of the Black Conservative Federation. Uh, Deontay Johnson, thank you for joining the show today. Thank you for having me. All right, so let's talk about this. Um, effective messaging for minority communities. Now, I've, I've actually given a speech about effective messaging for minority communities Uh, what the GOP could do for Americans for Prosperity. It was a few years ago. Um, I did two of these, actually. I did one for AFP at one of their summits, and it was a a detailed PowerPoint presentation that lasts about 25 minutes. And then I did another one for Leadership Program of the Rockies, where I talked about how Republicans have to message values to people instead of talking at them about capitalism and freedom and liberty and waving flags and watching eagles soar. We have to actually get into people's neighborhoods, into their faces, knock on their doors, talk to them one-on-one, retail politics, and a bunch of other stuff. Um, What are your ideas? I'm 
not sure what's going on with the phone line because I'm I'm not sure what we just heard there. If that was radio feedback or okay, we've lost him. Um, we'll try to get him back. Um, and the point that I'm making about having given those presentations is that there were both a number of years ago. Like one of them, I saw the reminder that I was in Colorado at the leadership program of the Rockies giving the speech. That was like six years ago. And I have not seen the suggestions that I made to that huge audience taken up by the GOP here in Missouri or, or elsewhere. Um, we have to stop being complacent and get out there and actually make something happen. Um, so it looks like we're getting him back. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, let's... Deontay, thanks for coming back on. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. Okay, so what were you saying there? Because we we couldn't really hear it. It sounded like a computer thing. (laughs) So we have to be able to engage and not cause enrage within our community. Uh, That's one of the biggest things that we as Republicans have to do, because I think sometimes we as conservatives can sometimes turn people off with just promoting the policies. Um, and, and, you know, and I tell people not just engaging, but also disagreeing without being disagreeable. And mm-hmm. so if somebody, if, we're, if I'm pro-life and someone is pro-choice, I can't say, oh, you're an idiot because you're pro-choice. I have to then say, you know, you're pro-choice, I'm pro-life. May I ask why you're pro-choice? What events led you to become, to, you know, you have to ask those questions to where you're not offending um, any other, uh, the other person, the other party. But also, when it comes to messaging, we have to realize that, uh, especially for minorities, minority voters are very much... Uh, minority voters are very much emotional and sensitive voters, okay? Mm-hmm. And so because of that, they're easily offended. So one of the reasons, and so beyond just saying, you know, I said pro-choice, you know, offending them, one of the things that, another example of what offends them is the use of the term plantation. Hmm. It's, one of, it's one of my biggest pet peeves as a conservative is we use the term um, leave the Democratic plantation. You're confused. You're this, you're that. And that is it's so negative because not, not only are we going to insult them by saying that they are being controlled, but we're also going to use a slave reference to a black community. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, I, I try not to use it. I did, uh, well, so 10 years ago, um, I would sometimes say that. And I remember thinking to myself, actually, it was not, not just me thinking to myself. My husband said, uh, he was like, I don't know if I, I really agree with that, that terminology. And I was like, tell me why. And he, he said, basically said the same thing you just said. And he said, there's another way for you to express that. You are a wordy person. Find another way to say that you, you know, left that behind. You made a switch. You changed your mind, whatever. And he said, because that's probably going to cut you off from people who need to hear what you have to say. And so I just kind of phased it out of my language. And 
I have mentioned that to others, but sometimes people are really invested in using that terminology. And I don't know that it's helpful. And for me, it's not that I want to tell people what to say, Deontay, but I do, I have the same desire that you have that I would, I would love people to listen to our ideas and give us a chance based on what they could possibly benefit from it instead of being hung up on the words we're using. Well, and it's just as, it's just as, and I tell people this, and when people argue with me, they say, oh, but it's just a reference, it's just a reference. I say, okay, well, when black Democrats start using references against black Republicans, how does mm-hmm. that make you feel? Oh, I because hate I it. remember, <laughs> you know, I remember being, you know, I remember, and I still get it, I guess. I don't know. I don't get into it anymore. But the black Democrats, when they're very derogatory against black Republicans and using negative terminology, it doesn't make me want to become a Democrat again. It doesn't make me want to go back to the Democrat Party. It, may, it actually draws me further away. Mm. And we have to understand the same thing is, you know, if we want to attract people to our party, the Bible says, and they'll know we are Christians by our love. We have to show love and compassion. I've noticed yeah, that when, when we talk to them, it's better. Like it's, I've noticed that when it's a conversation, it's better. But they come into it mistrusting us. And to they be honest do. with you, Deontay, I don't trust them very much either. So it's, it's, you're coming into a dance where nobody really wants to be there. Um, and you have to have a conversation out of it. So it is hard. You have to find better words. Well, I'll say this. I'll say this. When they... They come not trusting us, but sometimes you got to understand, and I had to realize this, is sometimes we as conservatives do a little bit too much. <laughs> you know, we go into these conversations, we have our MAGA hat on, we have our elephant pin on, we are Republicaned out. We're just prepared. We're just, we're, we're, we're just a Republican. Why not just have a conversation and I don't even, you know, I didn't even know I was conservative until I moved to D.C. Uh, well, how did I you just, find out? I, I, well, because I used the term, I just felt that I was more of a Republican, I was a Republican. And then I realized there's a difference, there's actually a difference between Republican and conservative. But also, and so someone just says, oh, you're really conservative. And, and see, people don't understand, there's a difference between Republican and conservative. Well, there is, um, and I, but I hear the music, which means we're out of time. Um, and it, it, it is always such a pleasure to chat with you and I hope we're going to do this again soon. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm loving what you're doing. Give everybody the website for the black conservative federation. You can visit us at blackgop.us. Blackgop.us. All right. Deontay Johnson, keep it, keep it going guy. Don't, 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 don't let up. You're going to make inroads and we're looking forward to seeing what you can do there. Uh, Deontay Johnson, president of the Black Conservative Federation. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back with more in a minute. I have two dogs. Sometimes when we go walking, they'll get a sticker in their paw. My dachshund will stop, hold up that foot, and just look annoyed because it has slowed her down and that she needs my help to get rid of it. The terrier, on the other hand, would rather limp along like, I'm okay, I'm just walking it off than to stop for me to take that painful thing out of her paw. It made me think, we're like that when it comes to our relationship with God. 
we either have complete reliance on Him and turn to Him as soon as we have a need, or we go along suffering, trying to fix it all ourselves. I've done both. How about you? There's lots less pain and suffering when you choose to turn to Jesus right away. But maybe you've never made the decision to follow Him and don't know how to ask Him. This life is much easier to navigate when you're relying on Jesus. If you'd like to find out more, call 888-NEED-HIM or chat with us at chataboutjesus.com. Hi friends, there's a new show in town on Urban Family Talk nightly, 7 p.m. Central. Join me, C.L. Bryan, as we build the bridge to conversation throughout our great nation, the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known. Nightly, the C.L. Bryan Show over Urban Family Talk, 7 p.m. Miki Addison. My challenge to you was to evangelize your children and to disciple your children and to give them the truth. Because if you don't do that, then we have a culture that's waiting in the wings to disciple your kids and to make converts. And so I really believe and I expect the Lord to really set some people free today. The Marriage, Family and Life Conference is coming June 20th through 22nd. Learn more and register at urbanfamilytalk.com. I'm Hank Weinblum with your Word of the Week. Actually, three words jumped out at me from congressional testimony involving Attorney General William Barr. One, there's usually an underlying criminality. That's Let's being... stop right there. Yeah. Was there an underlying crime here? No. Underlying, that which is the cause of something else. Also used this week about flooding in Iowa. There's also unknown conditions of the underlying infrastructure. Doctors use it too. She had an underlying medical condition. Our second word from the Attorney General about the letter he got from the special counsel. The letter's a bit snitty. A bipartisan word that could describe how many feel about these proceedings. And then when the Attorney General did not appear before a House committee. A Democrat on the committee went so far as to put a chicken in the empty witness seat. The message is that Bill Barr a chicken. The allegation that chickens are scaredy cats goes back to the 1600s. Dickens used it. Many people who hang out with chickens say the reputation is deserved. With your word of the week, Hank Weinblum, Fox News. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Well, first of all, Larry Kudlow. Uh, coined the phrase prosperity cycle, and I think that captures what's going on. Uh, we cut taxes, we cut regulations, we encourage businesses, we particularly encourage the dramatic development of energy. Uh, we now have dramatically bigger exports. Uh, actually, the most recent data is that the poorest one-fourth of the country is getting a bigger pay raise than our people uh, in the upper uh, income levels. So th this is the right kind of recovery. Blue collar workers going back to work, manufacturing growing dramatically. Uh, and I think the fact is that anybody who is serious knows that none of this had anything to do with Barack Obama. Obama's policies and the policies of the Socialist Democrats are policies of high taxes, big regulations, anti-business attitudes, uh, and they had led us to a very, very weak economy, uh, averaging about 1.6 percent growth. Trump has beaten that every single quarter since he became president, and it's getting stronger and better. 
Uh, and I think it's sad that the Democrats can't learn anything. You know, if you're if you're so busy despising your opponent, uh, whether it's in football or baseball or basketball, if you can't learn from your opponent when they beat you, uh, you have a real hard time in the next game. And it's clear that Cory Booker is learning nothing, doesn't want to learn anything, and just goes out and repeats rhetoric that's false. Uh, so he, that's Newt Gingrich, and he's making some really good points there. Um, you know, there you can ignore it at your own peril if you're thinking about the races that are going to crack up. Just shape, they're shaping up right now for 2020. Ignoring the economy, the benefit of the tax reduction package for the the benefits, the, the businesses and private individuals. And it's not just the economy. People want to mock President Trump on a whole bunch of different stop, but stuff, but the Trump doctrine is working. His ability to rapid fire respond to these world leaders, his use of online social media, you know, you can pan it, you can hate it, but you have to admit that there have been some significant developments. Saying that you want to kind of wrench all of that away and give the reins over to, like Pete Buttigieg just recently said, America has never really been that great, you know. What is he talking about? He's running for president here. In an Islamic country, he'd be tossed off a rooftop. He, but here in America, he's running for president. Okay? I mean, he, America's not that great. Well, where, what is great then? Where would you prefer to live, old Petey Pie? And then all of the comments from numerous Democrats about the gun control, the gun confiscation. Swalwell says he would nuke Americans who wouldn't, you know, give their guns up. In what universe? Would the American government and its current iteration, mostly young people from the heartland, that's that's who makes up the majority of our our uh, armed services members, southern boys and girls. <laughs> so rural Americans send their kids into the military. In what universe do we see those rural Americans pushing the button to send a nuke against a, a, a small town full of Americans who don't want to turn in their guns? Please, he doesn't know anything. He does, he does not. He's just, he's out of control, okay? He's the kind of person who talks a big game, but when it's time to put the pedal to the metal, he's nowhere to be found. And so many others. Every one of the presidential candidates on the left have made some pretty idiotic statements. And so you lay those up against President Trump coming in for a second term, and it just doesn't look that great for them. And so the chicken stunt, you know, not good. It's, it's not going to get them anywhere. So um, before we get to Biden's Ukraine problem, I want to talk a little bit about this. This story, um, it kind of developed over the weekend. You have Abby Johnson, the real life heroine of the movie Unplanned and the book. And remember, she used to work at an abortion clinic and she rose up to the level of director. She ran the whole clinic and she was a rising star within Planned Parenthood organization and then she came to the light. One day she's in the room. She got called in to work the ultrasound machine during an abortion and realized what she'd been taking part in and left it. And they only had one child at the time. Now they, I think she's pregnant with their eighth child and they're just, she's just doing great things for God. Her testimony is strong and she's helped 480 plus people come out as she did of the abortion industry. So it's interesting because you've got this guy, Brian Sims, Pennsylvania, um, he's an elected official and he hit one of his specialties besides advocating for same sex marriage is attacking young women and girls and elderly women when they're praying outside of Planned Parenthoods. He 
likes to videotape himself doing it and then offer people who are standing nearby $100 to give him their names and telephone numbers and home addresses so that he can quote unquote dox them, which is taking someone's personal private information like their address and putting it online so any wackadoo who's down there can go kill them or whatever. Um, so this last time, I guess he's really, he put the tape up online and he really made a huge mistake doing that. Now, Matt Walsh has actually tweeted about the story and he says they're going to have a rally at the, at 11 a.m. on Friday at the Planned Parenthood at 1144 Locust Street in Philly. And a bunch of different pro-life groups reached out to him minutes after he sent the original tweet to bring this together. They're inviting Brian Sims, Pennsylvania at Brian Sims, PA to come with his camera and participate, you know, he can be counter protest or what have you. And this is interesting because, um, you know, this guy has this rabid hatred for Christians. And um, Abby Johnson is now saying she's coming to the rescue of these Pennsylvanian women who are, they just pray outside the clinic. They don't protest. They just go out and pray, which in my experience outside the Planned Parenthood here in St. Louis, that is that is pretty much what's done there. I've given some pretty fiery speeches there before, but not as often as I've just been there to pray with other people. That's usually what's going on outside. Nothing else. Just praying. Um, so Abby Johnson has tweeted out. Let me clarify. I will be at the same Planned Parenthood at 11 a.m. this Friday, May 10th. So be sure to reschedule your Manny Petty so you can make it. Wanted to give you plenty of time to coordinate your schedule. Abby Johnson tweets, just booked my ticket to Philly, Brian Sims, PA. I will be at the clinic around 11 a.m. See you there. <laughs> she says, I can be there on fr- at Friday at 10 a.m. I'm bringing my camp, bring your camera. Uh, let me know. <laughs> so <laughs> they're fighting this guy. Um, and she has been tweeting him all afternoon she started off with how about i let you know next time i'm standing on the sidewalk advocating for life let's see how powerful you are with your little camera and shaky voice when you encounter a young empowered pro-life woman who won't back down from the bullies bring it coward um wow so that's pretty fascinating um so we'll keep an eye on that she actually just this saturday just to kind of wrap it all up this past saturday abby johnson had her ultrasound of her unborn baby on the jumbotron in Times Square, and apparently the entire area fell silent while she, her baby was projected onto the screen, and they saw the first images via ultrasound of her unborn child, and it was a pretty amazing uh, thing that happened. So, you know, she's out there; she's still doing it. It's really great to see her uh, making waves for the pro-life movement and taking on the bullies. That's what we need. We need people who are. Holy Spirit empowered, courageous, and on the ball, unwilling to flinch or fall back. Admittedly, she's been through the fire, and that gives you a lot of courage when you go through that. Um, But we all have that in us. That's the Holy Spirit that's operating within us. Not our own might, but the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can can all do these things. We can all say these things. Um, So the Bidens and their Ukraine problem. Um, and I was talking about this a little bit before, and now here we are, we're, we're ready. Um, this is something that's going to continue to crop up as a story. Of course, there is no Democrat media that's going to want to cover it really in a huge way. There may be some stories, but I found this over at the Daily Caller. 
The highlights of this piece are basically Hunter Biden, the son of Joe Biden, was appointed to the board of directors of a Ukrainian company as a part of an effort to recruit well-connected Americans while the company was under investigation. And this is according to the New York Times. Then Vice President Joe Biden played a role in pressuring Ukraine to oust the country's top prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, who was investigating the company named Burisma. Burisma. So Shokin's successor initially ended the investigation into Burisma, but then decided in March of 2019 to reopen it. So Joe Biden was actually, he's, he's the dad of this guy, Hunter. Hunter was on the board of this company, Burisma. Now, at the time, Joe Biden, you know, he was feeling his oats. He's like, you know, look at me. I'm big and bad. I can make people do stuff. He actually took credit for pressuring the Ukraine into removing this top prosecutor who was leading the probes. Then, this is recent, the Ukraine relaunched an investigation into the company. And President Donald Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, has repeatedly called for the U.S. Department of Justice to scrutinize the Bidens. You see how this is working out? So Hunter Biden was on this four-member board of Burisma Holdings, and it just happens to be your, the Ukraine's largest privately owned gas company. And this is back in April of 2014. The seat came while Joe Biden was serving in President Obama's administration and was slated to head relations with the Ukraine for the Obama administration. So you see how this is a conflict of interest? Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, should have said, my father is the vice president of the United States. And the Ukraine has international business dealings with the country for which my dad serves as, as, you know, in the administration. I'm probably not the best person for you to have on your board. May look fun, but it's not going to be good ethically for me and my family. It will look as if there's undue access, undue influence. It's just messy. But notice, this is never a problem when it's a Democrat. But if a Republican even sniffs at, like, Everybody's mad on the left that Donald Trump at one point tried to build a Trump Tower in uh, Moscow. Why wouldn't he have? He was a civilian back then. What would preclude him from building Trump Towers in every major city on Earth? I don't have an opinion on it. I've never been in Trump Tower. I hear it's nice, but whatever. But what would stop a business person from wanting to do that, that kind of business uh, especially since he didn't know for sure he was going to be the president. So Burisma is actually a natural gas exploration and production company owned by Mikola Slokevsky, a cabinet member of former Ukrainian president Viktor Yanukovych. Yanukovych was removed from his position in February of 2014. He currently lives in exile in Russia and is wanted by Ukraine for high treason. Slokevsky later fled the country in late 2014 as Ukrainian pr prosecutors launched investigations into his time in public office, as well as his private businesses. Around the same time, the UK Serious Fraud Office froze $23 million in a London account that was linked to Zlosgevsky. A British court later unblocked the bank accounts in January of 2015, finding no grounds for further consideration of the case. So, you know, there's investigations, freezing of funds, then funds were let go, yada, yada, yada. So roughly two years after Hunter Biden is appointed to Burisma's board, the vice president traveled to Kiev, 
Ukraine's capital, and he threatened that the U.S. would withhold $1 billion in loan guarantees unless Ukraine ousted its prosecutor general, Viktor Shokin. At the time, Shokin was accused of ignoring corruption within his own political office, but Shokin was also investigating corruption within Burisma, the same company that Hunter Biden was on. So you tell me how it's obstruction of justice when President Trump tweets a few times and says in private meetings with his staff that he wishes that the the investigation was over because he's innocent. That's obstruction. But Joe Biden traveling as the vice president of the United States goes and threatens another country that if they don't stop an investigation into a company that his son is on the board of, that they won't get loan guarantees that they need to do, you know, whatever they're doing. And that's what that's what would that be? Sounds like some kind of corruption to me. So several investigations into Burisma, which included possible tax evasion, money laundering, all that stuff, preceded Shokin's time as prosecutor general. But he also launched a separate investigation into gas licenses that Slokovsky issued while serving in his official capacity at the Ministry of Ecology and Natural Resources. So there's more to this. I'll throw the link up. Oh, oh, one more thing. Hunter Biden, who did not previously have any experience in the Eastern European country, was paid up to 50000 a month for his work with Burisma, according to financial disclosures. Yes, you're probably driving along or you're sipping your coffee at your desk and you're thinking, did she say a month? Yes, I did. Fifty grand a month, not a year, a month. Only months before he accepted the position as a board member, the Navy Reserve had discharged Hunter Biden for failing a drug test. It tested positive for cocaine. Yeah, corruption. It's not Donald Trump. The Democrats get some. Get you some corruption, y'all. Love corruption. You know, get you someone who loves you the way Democrats love corruption. How about that? (laughs) All right. God bless. Have a fantastic evening. Back with you tomorrow. StacyOnTheRight.com. Stacy on the right.com.